Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 161 of Storyteller Conclave. It's a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? You know, I'm full and happy because dinner was amazing. Oh, dinner was good. Yeah. I and had to toot my own horn because I cooked it. But no, like... no. It was really good. It was simple. I loved it. Every part of it. It was so tasty. Uh, I got my game ran. Yeah. I did my game on Saturday. Yeah, you did. So. It was it was like a super uh, RP-heavy, like, mechanics-light, just nice... Connection point. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of really great role play that took place. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I absolutely think that Overwatch um, was the MVP <laughs> of that of that of that game uh, game session. Uh, just really had some really great character growth. Oh yeah, very uh, much his so. Character, he told this really elaborate story, um, a historical account in character. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot just, of backstory. Just a really great, like a really chill session. No, super enjoyable. And that's I wanted to have something that connected you guys from that section of the plot of finishing up with the mm-hmm. the elves and the orcs and kind of putting that to bed to a degree uh, in a way that felt good, but at the same time also allow you guys to progress on to the next portion of the story and kind of get your feet wet in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I got you guys that. And then I left it on the cliffhanger of, guess what? We have an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to go fight a beholder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of, pointed out there. I was like, oh, by the way, there's this cart that you have to go get me some stuff from. You did, you did something really interesting uh, in your game where uh, you actually introduced a mechanic from Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. uh, the interlude, yep. into your Dungeons and Dragons game. I did, and uh, whereas that's more or less just a um, giving the spotlight to individual characters to tell an in-character story mm-hmm. about themselves and what they're going through and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a mechanics-heavy thing, but you still did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think that worked? I think it went pretty well. It, it worked as intended. Like, mm-hmm. my intention was that I wanted to move through the negotiations at a pace where my players weren't worried about minutia mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that we could say, okay... It was successful. It was very successful. It was moderately successful. And we handled that with skill checks, and that went just fine. But I didn't want it to end there. I still wanted there to be, like, it would take you a month to have these negotiations. Yeah, sure, sure. What goes on in that time for your characters? And so I kind of, because it gave me the option to present a, uh, give you guys three options to pick from after a random kind of theming was set to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gave that appearance of like, okay, so here's the part you're going to talk about or in the direction it's going to take. Right. But I'm not forcing you to say that you have to talk about the negotiations. You can talk about how you feel about it, something that happened at them. Yeah, yeah. Or what you remember or a historical thing that makes reference to it. While the negotiations were going on, how did you feel? Right. About it, about anything else. You know, like my my whole thing was like, yeah, screw these negotiations. Right, which were great. I don't have a horse in this race. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's what I am upset about because yep. this, these negotiations are taking up time. I could be plotting the murder of somebody <laughs> who hurt someone I loved. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So – but it was one of those also like experimental things for me of like mm-hmm. can I throw suede right in the middle of D&D? And the answer is yeah, 100%. I mean honestly with the the, the, the fantasy companion beta rules because I, I backed the Kickstarter mm-hmm. for it. So I got, yep. I got I've got the advanced copy of it. Um I mean, I, I am, I am this close. Mm-hmm. Y'all in podcast land can't see, but I'm holding my fingers really close together. Yeah. ASMR uh, doesn't sound right. This fingers. close to just suggesting that like, you I know flip. you're at the, I know you're at the end of your campaign, mm-hmm. but like, let's, let's just flip. Yeah. I don't want to do it just yet. 
I, I want you guys to finish this out. I feel like an obligation that I've got to. I mean, you're, you're, you're high level characters. We're at that point. What, just let you guys enjoy the mechanics of the, the technical mechanics as we finish things out. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Fair Versus enough. let's, let's make this difficult. Oh crap, this isn't working. Let's rebuild characters. Oh, we're at the end of the story. Why did we even do this? Yeah, but you get to learn from my fail though. That's true. That's true. That's true. But so. none of my, not all of my players have. And that's, I think, the other problem that I have with it is... is ah, that, that's true. Like, over, Overwatch would be would, would would need to be completely caught up. Uh, right, and would need to know what's the framing for, you know, how how do I remake my character? What, yeah, how do I yeah. how do I fit this in? And he needs those mechanical bases. And it's good, but there's... There's also no analog to, like, the divination abilities mm-hmm. of, of exactly. being able to, you know, pre-roll a couple of D20s and insert them wherever in the story you damn well please. Exactly, exactly, so... But speaking of which, as I I left off an adventure with a with a direct plot hook right into what you guys were doing, mm-hmm. we're talking about our one ones again, and we're talking about adventures. Adventures. All right. So um, this is the the first Wednesday of every month. Uh, we are for for this entire year doing Storyteller One Hundred and One. Mm-hmm. Um, this is designed for new storytellers specifically. If you've mm-hmm. never DM'd before, or if you've uh, you just got into it, maybe um, you're a player who's thinking about storytelling. Exactly. So we're trying to lay down the basics for you. Um, so look, uh, if if you're just joining us, mm-hmm. um, we've done. Uh, let's see here. This is June now. So since January, we've done five others of these. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, starting with where you get the inspiration from your fear games mm-hmm. to uh, choosing the right game system because mm-hmm. there's more than just D and D out there. Yep. Um, and Developing that campaign and just recently writing the plot. Writing the and plot. like talking about what it takes to build a plot, how to get that hook there, what problems need to be solved there, both figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. Um. And kind and of how, the scaffolding that you need to build for it. Yeah, exactly. How do you build it in a scaffolding way such that you aren't locked into a railroad situation? You're, you're not building a novel. Yeah. Stop writing the novel is what we kind right. of get that. And again, like if you want the 202 and higher levels of this, go back to our episode 99. That that's going to help you through both the last episode and this one. Episode 99 is narrative flow. Yeah, and we went into... All kinds of heavy detail on that. They're actually not numbered on Spotify or not. No, they're not. That's the worst. Yeah. So, all right, we'll we'll work on that. (laughs) Uh, Anywho. Anywho. um, So... what is an adventure? Um, I, I think just in layman's terms, I know you've got you've got another definition written down here that's a little more technical. But yes, um, in layman terms, um, we talked about building plots. Okay, a plot is a plan for how a story will unfold. Yes. Okay. Think of it like a recipe. The adventure is what actually happens. It is mm-hmm. the execution of your plot. Yeah, and it 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 has the the tinier components that are necessary within it mm-hmm. to say that here's its presentation, here's its complication, and here's its ending. Sometimes there's a twist there. Mm-hmm. Not always. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's very straightforward. A, a lot of Milk Run adventures are 100% straightforward. Right. But typically an adventure has a distinct starting point and mm-hmm. a distinct ending point. Yeah. Someone says, hey, I need you to go take care of this problem for me. You say, hey, we're adventurers. We'll go do that. And the point at which it ends is you say, well, we've taken care of the thing. Mm-hmm. Let's They're go real. back to the tavern or yep. let's go get our get our new yen from the, uh, from the Johnson. Or... Exactly. And so when we're talking about this in a more, I, I, I guess, extrapolated sense, a plot is like 
we're having a scheduled series of games. Mm-hmm. Like it's the it is a it is a scheduled baseball game. The Tigers are facing the Yankees on Tuesday. That's the plot. So now we have an adventure is what actually happens, happens at, at the, game. the game. The Tigers played the Yankees and the Yankees won. Boom. Okay. The campaign mm-hmm. is like the baseball season. Yep. The Tigers played the Yankees. The Yankees won this one, but the Tigers will be back after they play the Twins. Yes. So th- there's your there's your comparisons in the sporting world, which neither of us really follow. <laughs> but it, it <laughs> I, I grew framework. up on baseball at least yeah. enough to, to to think of it in those terms. So. Yeah. So, but the whole idea is is that you're we're right now talking about the meat and potatoes. Now, I know I've gotten this question a number of times, and people are like, "What kinds of adventures?" There's different kinds of stories we talked about. There's sure. basically seven basic tropes of stories, you know, and how those come together. We talk about those kind of aspects, but is there a defined list of adventures of of adventure frame uh styles of descriptions and in all honesty i went around looking and i found all kinds of resources for this but i will say that gnome stew had a very good list with very good descriptions and i'll throw that link out there but if you go to gnome stew and you look at their giant list of rpg adventures it's a good list. Mm-hmm. It's very complete, and it has really good descriptions. For instance, an assault. This adventure type features storming castles, wiping run, wiping out or running off hostile groups, tracking down space pirates, or any other scenario where the focus is the PCs taking on a fight to someone else hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty straightforward. Yeah. A, a heist. We talk about those all the time. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, where revolves around stealing something important or preventing it from being stolen, uh, being stolen, depending on which side you're on. Yeah. And often, you know, elaborate plans can be included, disguises, breaking and entering, stealth, things like that. But depending on how you run them, certain dungeon crawls can resemble a heist far more than an assault. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing is, is that a lot of the times when you look at the adventure list, Something will inspire you, but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that your players are aware that this is a heist. Right, right, right. The, in the, 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 that's the important thing about these about these categories like this is that you remember that like these are terms for things you can do, but they're not something you would explicitly like sit down and be like, "I am going to," you know. Yeah. Players, guess what? Today yes. is going to be an assault. You know. Yeah. We're going to do a rescue the princess story. You never say that. Mm-hmm. You know. You say this is Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's the thing is the assault on the castle, yeah. of the evil wizard. Exactly. And all of those things are just adventure points to help you as a storyteller kind of go, OK, now that I have my plot, I need an adventure. What really feels right for this section? And and that list might give you some inspiration, might give you some direction uh, to kind of pull something together. Now. This next section was probably the longest discussion that Sarah and I had. Uh, it was probably also the biggest disagreement we've had about any show ever. I would agree with that. Uh, and, 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 and dis- disagreement, uh, not, not meaning that we were hostile with each other, but not disagreement in, in that we generally, when we put our heads together and we say, okay, this is the topic we've got at hand. This is my method for doing this. This is the method for doing this. Yeah. Um, or at least a very solid method for doing this that we can convey to our listeners. Yeah. We generally go, yeah, okay, yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's how that's done. That is the, the tropes we'll use or that is the, you know, the techniques we'll use or whatever. 
this was a this was a situation where you said to me, "Okay, yeah, writing an adventure is easy." And then what came out of your mouth in the preceding two minutes went completely in one ear, scrambled my brain, and out the other ear. And I went, you do what when you write adventures? <laughs> How did math get involved? Yep, yep, yep. I don't understand half of what you just told me. And then you said, well, how do you do it? And then you heard how I do it. Well, no, you I, got just as angry with me. <laughs> I said, you already do this all the time. Yeah. How do you not, how do you not know this math? You do, I can th- think of four textbook, you know, moments Examples. where you did exactly this by the book in your campaign in the last two months, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the proof point is, is that we are two very different storytellers in how we do our design work, but come out with virtually identical results. The difference is, is a matter of how our brains work mm-hmm. and how our creativity gets put into play as we move into it. Yes. So yes. do you want me to start out or do you want to start out with yours? You're first on the show sheet. Okay. So you want the mathematical opening. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's do the maths. Okay. So. And then I'll show you how to do it if you fly by the seat of your pants and make up your plot while you're sitting on the toilet. I'm not saying that that is not a valid way of doing it. So. <laughs> So let's talk about this for a second. When uh, when you're writing stories, um, traditionally uh, you have uh, a ramp that happens and a fall off that occurs. And that dramatic uh, energy falls into a traditional format. Now, story writers who write for TV shows or uh, enter, uh, you know, are doing book sections, you know, depending on the acts and, and the movements within those acts, will typically fall into one of the two, either a one, two, one, or a one, two, two. Now that's, I'll get to what those terms mean, but effectively what you have is you have a single opening scene or an opening segment, a first act. That is your one. That is your one. That's going to be your inciting incident, your plot hook, the thing that starts the ball rolling of your adventure. Regardless of how it happens, whether it's in media res, whether they're meeting with somebody at a tavern, you know, whether or not they're picking up an item and it is, it's giving them the information, it is the inciting moment and their acceptance of that moment. Mm -hmm. You then have a middle section. That's the two. There are two scenes typically within the middle section of it. Um, and in stories, that's typically the uh, – is your interaction uh, leading up to the point of, of, of the highest point. So you'll, you'll rush through those two scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then have either a single closing, okay, at the end. That's the final one. Or two, if you have a twist, a false ending and then a true ending, mm-hmm. you know, where, okay, this is the big bad guy, you know, we get to his lair, and as you kill him, he goes, ha, 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 I did that five minutes ago, and now you have the real ending to mm-hmm. wrap up, you know. I already summoned the beast, now you have to fire, f- fight the beast. Exactly. Or whatever. Or, or whatever. So Now you have to disarm the bomb. Right, right. Or, uh, you know, you finally get the idol. And then the temple starts crashing around you. Yeah, I was and just, so just going to suggest that you know, one, yeah. So all of those are ways to layer out your story so that you have that rise and that fall at the end and return. Um, story circles use this same type of mentality, um, but they they remove the 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 numerical values on it and and work in a circle again if you go back to our narrative flow discussion i go into that in more detail i don't want to get to the 303 levels right now oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. 
again, it's that middle two when you're doing a tabletop game becomes the flexible point. You will always have an opening, an inciting incident, a way to hook your players, something mm-hmm. to pull them together to put them on the path of where they're going. The middle part is negotiable. That is where the meat and potatoes happen that rises you to the finish. And then that final scene isn't so much a scene as it is an ending because you don't know how your players are going to end that adventure, but you know that there is an end and that end has a tone, meaning they get the idol or they lose the idol, but the idol is the key to the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you got to think of it more as a collision point than an ending. Correct. An ending is a series of events that takes place to end the story. The collision point is just, I know they've got to end up in the same room as the idol, what they do with it or what happens in that room. I don't know yet. Hasn't happened. Exactly. Like in my story, I started my inciting incident literally at the end of the uh, the game, last game session, which is pretty common. And that is is that I presented a lord to the group who basically had the ability to get them into the city, but said, "To get you in, though, I'm going to need something. Uh, I need to go. You know, I have to give something to another lord to make him look the other way. So, but to get that, I need to get something back. So, I'm going to send you guys to go look." For this cart that I'm lo- that I've lost, and when you return that to me, I'll be able to start my magic and get you into town. Mm-hmm. So my inciting instance is go get my crap that someone else took, mm-hmm. you know, and return it to me. There's my opening and my closing. Yeah, I know how this is going to go. You're going to go get my shit, and you're going to bring me back that shit. It's a milk run. Yeah, literally, I've defined a milk run. What happens in the middle though is anybody's game. Yep, and it's going to have a ramp up and a clean finish. Mm-hmm. So I designed my adventure in literally a single loop. And that's the beauty of a good adventure is that you don't leave it lingering like a fart in a car. (laughs) Okay? So your players feel that completion when they're done with the adventure. Yeah. And I'm not saying adventures have to be one night for the opening, two two sessions for the middle, and one session for the... No, no. You can do the whole thing in one session if you really are good at it. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are are narrative movements, not session numbers. Correct. And I'm not saying that your players go through two rooms of important things before they reach their final... No. Again, we're talking about movement points. We're talking about things that raise the level of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, well, uh, d- d- so, defi- define for me then. Uh, d- we'll, we'll use your hypothetical milk run mm-hmm. as our as our template. Sure. Here. Okay. So, define for me what those two scenes before the we get to yeah before we get to the closing might be. So, for instance, um, let's go with a traditional shadow run milk run. I'm a Johnson. You're don't, gonna... don't even complicate it that okay. much. So we are going to get the MacGuffin. Right. Oh, perfect. We are going to bring back the MacGuffin and that's our goal. Right. What are the two scenes in the middle? Traditionally, what you're going to have is an entry scene, something that gains access that gets you within the space. Okay. Um, so in this instance, maybe the journey to where the MacGuffin is. Correct. Okay. Then you will have traditionally when you're working with a MacGuffin kind of situation, the 
the breach, if you will. The now, MacGuffin the... is not going to just fall into our pocket. Correct. We have to do something to acquire the MacGuffin once we get there. Correct. Now, that again, that breach is where the excitement and everything starts rising even higher. So sure. it doesn't matter how they move through the approach or the breach. They can do that any number of ways. Okay. I know that the, you know, I know that this is in this way. I can stealth to it. I can assault it directly. I can sneak, you know, I can, I can negotiate with the person who has it. Sure. Any number of ways, but that's still that entry point. Now I have, now that I'm on the inside, now I'm working through the system. Now it's getting tense. Mm -hmm. Did my stuff work in the first that's now going to push me through or do I have to shift gears? Sure. You know, then I find the MacGuffin. Now we are in our closing. Is it the MacGuffin Mm -hmm. or is it a false MacGuffin? Does the MacGuffin do something different than what we thought it was? Was it not right where I thought it would be? Mm-hmm. Is it being used? You know, those are all the questions that then bring that closing to to question. Sure. Whether or not you really do. And then your, your final is the return. Okay. You know, where it's like, I have brought back the MacGuffin, and what now happens? Well, we close the loop, and we present the next step. Okay, okay. Okay. And that's usually where plot then steps back in. You close the loop and say, okay, thank you for returning this to me. We are done with the adventure. Now that we've got now the MacGuffin, that we have it, the MacGuffin can do the MacGuffin thing, and, and that unlocks the next yeah, adventure. Here's the plot that it unlocked. Yep. And there you go. Okay. So that is the simplicity of that design, is that rise and then the stop at the end mm-hmm. point. And insert the terms in the middle that you need but again, because it's a tabletop RPG, we don't know necessarily. We need to be prepared by presenting to ourselves as storytellers what those things look like in an open way. They're going to have to breach in some way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just need to present a scene for them to breach in. Okay, great. Here you go. Now, that may be a series of scenes, in all honesty. I might make it a bunch of challenges if it's, you know, swayed or something like that. Sure. You know. But but the, the point is, is that you – it is one incident. It is one movement, essentially. Correct. Yes. Um, whether, whether it's a long series of challenges, skill challenges mm-hmm. or whatever, whether it takes all night and four hours of gameplay to get us, you know, to, to breach into wherever this MacGuffin is. Yeah. That is still one narrative movement. And at no point am I setting up rails. Mm-hmm. I am literally letting them move at the pace they want, in the direction they want, in how they want. Player agency is top because I am not predetermining what's going on. This is why a lot of like the older adventure books, the hardcovers that basically paint this mm-hmm. in a much more broad sense, basically give you a sandbox for each one of the sections. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't know what's going on. But usually you have your initial sandbox for that breach section, which is a town, mm-hmm. right? And then once you're past that, now you're in the dungeon phase, phase right? Mm-hmm. So all of the challenges are laid out. The, the whole rise is there. How they move through that is 100% up to them. So people look at that and they don't see the obvious, like, sections that this is painting out for them. So it makes adventures feel very odd. Because you don't know where to put the tension. Mm-hmm. You don't know where to put the fall off. And I think that's the disservice that a lot of adventure, pre, you know, book based adventures, episodic adventures where, you know, my, my, like Castle Ravenloft and stuff like that does a little better job of it now. But most of them just kind of gave it to you and you're like, here you go. Here's your adventure. And you're like, I don't know how a story is supposed to sound from the writer's room. You just gave me all the words. Yeah, what do I do yeah, with this? Yeah. What's what's the tone here? What are you know so, what are we going for? So that's that's where I'm saying is is that 
and, and it's this is not easy to find online either. Like mm-hmm. you have to understand writing to understand the the mechanics behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you do it intuitively, like Sarah does. <laughs> So allow me to sit back and sip my tea while she explains to you how to do it off the seat of your pants. All right. So if you are like me and don't like maths getting involved in your storytelling, um, you do it a bit like I do, which is a lot more freeform. Um, By the way, caveat, I'm terrible at math. Oh, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but you are in, in the computer technology uh no, but I say is it's a it's a structured, it's geometric, formulaic way of it thinking is. about things. Very... Whereas I am an artist by trade. Yeah. Um. So, anywho, uh, so my method um is more. <sighs> you start with a start point. You think about what your end point is. A lot of us, and a lot of us do this, um, uh, we, we have got like a, for instance, we have a, a few new people on the, the Discord as of lately, um, talking about their own games. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, they're both new Which to Which I story- love. A couple of them are new to storytelling, and, uh, so we've, we've heard the story a couple times now, it's like, I've got my big bad evil guy and my inciting incident, I just don't know what to do with them yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. You've got your big bad evil guy. That's good. Most of us come up with the nature of our conflict before we come up with the nuance of our conflict. Do you follow? 100%. I know what my villain is. I just don't know what my villain's doing to make the world suck for our heroes yet. Yeah, we always know about our, our, our bullies, our villains, what, what the thing that's frustrating us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just aren't capable of designing around mm-hmm. them. But that's good because that's also where I start. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um now, sometimes I start with more like a situation that I want to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, our most recent uh, adventure featured me wanting to put your character in a moral dilemma situation. Very much so. Um, I had a vampire who was technically a good guy mm-hmm. trying to do good things out of sympathy for his ill wife. Yep. Um, but he also just happened to be a vampire. And so I wanted a situation. My end point for that, for that, for that adventure was put your character in a room with a magic undead slaying sword with that good guy vampire and see what you did. Mm-hmm. See if you let sympathy and compassion win out mm-hmm. or if you got blinded by the fact that he was a vampire and slay the undead. Yep. And that's it. That was the end point. So my starting point was giving you the magic sword and saying, go kill some undead for me. Mm-hmm. And that got you heading in that direction. So, so based upon that, like – you have your two points. Mm-hmm. What's the potato, meat and potatoes in the middle? Like, All right. H- how do I know where to go from there? That seems very esoteric. To it me. is, for me, it is a dance of action and reaction okay. of cause and effect. Okay. 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 So action being the players are making proactive movements to do something within the bounds of the plot. Okay. I hand your character a magic sword. I say, go slay some undead. You going into the town, investigating where the undead might be. These are actions. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're not acting, and sometimes even when you are, the plot should also be reacting. Okay. Okay. When you push against the undead that are there in the town, Mm -hmm. they should push back against you. Okay. Okay. If you get attacked, you're not just going to sit there and go, oh, he killed some of us. That sucks. Mm-hmm. No, you're going to counterattack. You're going to fortify your defenses. You're going to, um, in this case, 
try to talk to you and get you pointed at the other vampire that was in the gro- in the city, mm-hmm. the good guy vampire. Right, right. Hey, we've got a common enemy. Why are you trying to kill me? You should kill him instead. Right. That is a reaction. Okay. So at every step of the way, I'm looking at what are the players doing to further the plot, mm-hmm. and what is the plot doing in reaction to the players. Reaction is also where things like the doom clocks come in. Okay. Um, we talk about doom clocks a lot in some, uh, I think we talked about them a bit, like in our plot, um, episode as well, our 101. Yes. Um, but it's a concept that comes up, um, a lot in Powered by the Apocalypse games. Very much so. Very um, much so. and they're, they're an excellent concept for basically all storytelling, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially you, your villain wants to do something, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise they wouldn't be a villain. They're, villains don't just sit around and be like, haha, I'm evil. Right. And I've got a comfy chair. And a mimosa. Yeah. Life is good. Mm -hmm. No, they're trying to do something. Otherwise, they wouldn't be the big bad evil guy. They're trying to rule the world or they're trying to blow something up or they're Mm -hmm. trying to kill someone. They're trying to stir stuff up in your world. You want to stop them. Um, So the reaction is also like if your players aren't directly pushing against the – and even sometimes when they are, you want your your big bad evil guy to be pushing towards their own – plot yeah so right like their you, own in their own direction you use the concept of coins on a table yeah and i i liked this it gave me a good visual because i'm a visual person so you were talking about how you have your two points whether it's the bad guys you know the the evil side the 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 plot itself and the players right so if you put two coins on the table imagine the left put just put do do it right now if you're listening yeah put your fingers on the table your your just your index fingers of both hands on the table mm-hmm. your left index finger is your heroes Mm -hmm. your right index finger is your big bad evil guy Mm -hmm. okay everything in that plot should serve moving those two fingers inch by inch towards each other on the table Mm -hmm. until eventually both your hands are together and your fingers are touching Mm -hmm. and that's your plot resolution in this case the adventure and in this case the adventure whether it's the macguffin now we're not saying that the macguffin has to move but it's theoretically moving because things are in motion. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the, the MacGuffin itself may not physically move. And we're not talking about physical movement. We're talking about plot movement. Correct. We're talking about narrative movement. Yeah. Okay. The timer starts up on the bomb. Exactly. That is a movement. So when you get to – like we'll take your MacGuffin example. Yep. Okay. When you – you have your journey. Okay. Mm-hmm. You haven't really – done anything mm-hmm. yet there's nothing to react to because you're just on the road mm-hmm. that's an action mm-hmm. okay when you get to where the macguffin is maybe you need to steal it maybe mm-hmm. you need to negotiate for it okay every action you take from there on is going to change the landscape of what the control of that macguffin looks like in that scene mm-hmm. okay maybe somebody has it and you need to negotiate for it okay. well how do those persuasion checks work out for you Okay. Uh, did you did you fail them? Maybe now he's got a bad disposition towards you and he doesn't want to give you the MacGuffin. Right. Okay. That's a reaction. Now what is now you have to think to yourself, okay, what happens now that he has a bad disposition? He knows you want the MacGuffin. You've already determined he's not going to give it to you because you failed your check. What is the reaction? What does this person who controls it and doesn't want to give it up do? He protects it. Mm-hmm. He withdraws with it, makes it harder to get the MacGuffin. Maybe now we go from a negotiation. Now we start talking about, well, let's just sneak in and take it from him. 
oh, we've moved to a heist. Yeah. Okay, now players are acting again. Right. And depending on how that heist goes, there will be a reaction to that heist. Yeah. If they successfully steal it, what does the person who controls or previously controlled the MacGuffin do? Mm-hmm. Well, their angry things got stolen from them, so now you've got a chase scene. Mm-hmm. Guards are coming after them. Yep. And this is how your narrative flow goes. Yeah. There's an action. There's a reaction. There is a cause. There is an effect. But there's also the end. But there's also the end because you're always working towards that end point. Your end point in this MacGuffin thing is get it back to the person who asked for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. Yep. You make it through the chase scene. Maybe you have to fight someone away or something like that. You have a combat scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you return home. You give the MacGuffin to the person who asked for it. Ending. Yep. Exactly. So as you can see, Sarah and I have very different looks and approaches that we take to try and get to the meat and potatoes of what an adventure is. But in the end, we're still creating the same loop. We're still defining our stories in the same effective mechanics that make whether or not it is a component of the adventure. So whether or not you as a storyteller know how to do an adventure... The truth of the matter is is that you can take it by any number of approaches, but we both agree on the fact that there is a beginning that is defined and an end that is defined. Mm-hmm. Not by scene, but by finish. You know, the MacGuffin is returned. Mm-hmm. You know, or the confrontation the, is with the vampire. The confrontation is completed, whether yes. it's a withdrawal, a, you know, a death, yeah. or, 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 or an acceptance. You chose to let him live. You yep. could have killed him. Yep. You could have done any number of things, but as yeah. long as that confrontation happened, mm-hmm. you got a satisfactory ending out of that, and then you returned home. Right. It was Scene done. is done. And, and that's the thing to think about within stories, is it's up to the players how they're going to move through each one of these components. Mm-hmm. So you cannot set them in stone. Yeah. The yeah. moment you do, you're either A, making a hard move, which is not bad, but hard moves should sit outside of the player's purview. A hard move, uh, we'll define it again because this yeah. is a 101. A hard move is another another term we grabbed from Powered by the Apocalypse, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, it's everywhere, but yeah. Is uh, when you make something definitive happen in your plot that shifts the landscape. Yep. The best hard move I can think of in in uh, uh, in common knowledge is the movie Titanic. Mm-hmm. When the ship hits the iceberg, mm-hmm. that is a hard move. There is nothing at all that that – like there was no failed roll that caused nope. them to hit the iceberg. Like nope. in that story, it's just this is the point where the, where the thing hits the iceberg and now it's a survival mission. Correct. Yep. And traditionally, you have that – in that that the move happen midway through your bridge mm-hmm. the the bomb starts ticking the 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 you watch the you know the the, the we we are coming up to the fourth quarter you know we're got, the minutes are dialing down so that that last push that the players do before they reach the final fight mm-hmm. feels intense this is this is usually the twist that turns it from your 1 2 1 into your 1 2 2, two. yep yep, yep. And, and, well, yes and no. I will say this is the twist that creates the hot, this is not the twist, this is what creates the heightened excitement. The twist is whether or not the end is the true end. Mm. Uh, oh, yes, yes, he gets another shot. 
That's mm. the false ending. Um, the idol being retrieved after going through all of the traps. Yep. Oh crap, we have this. So that's really where your twist will come into versus the, the rise. Knocks in the box in the live chat says Thanos snaps his fingers. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Thanos, yeah, like, the, the snap is a hard move. Right, well, and what you have there is a false ending. The axe hits him, and he's just like, you should have cut off my hand. Head. Or head. And you gone it's over. Head, yep. and, mm-hmm. it's, and that's the false ending that makes you go, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and the things like that are... Uh, so, in that case, the hard move is... Thanos is sitting out there doing nothing. The group shows up, and then his army shows up. Mm-hmm. The hard move is all of these other people show up. Mm-hmm. It creates that extra tension that adds everything else up into it, those kinds of things. So you you always have to try and factor that rise. Now, you don't have to create a hard move. You don't even have to use hard moves. Yeah, yeah. But when you do use them, they should be just outside the player's agency. I I like using hard moves to shift the narrative um, mm-hmm. during the middle of an adventure simply because sometimes there are things that are just out of the player's control. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the players being the only people who get to make narrative difference in your story is unrealistic. 100%. It makes the story revolve around them too much. Sometimes shit happens. Yeah. Sometimes it's relatable to what they're doing, but nine times out of ten, the world's moving. Mm-hmm. Things are happening. Yeah. Dumb shit happens all the time. People have their own agendas, and they don't always check with the with the players first. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so you, you want to have those moments so that players feel like the world is real mm-hmm. and that – Things can cause tension to rise, to 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 rise and push them in a direction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what, whatever that direction is, their choice, but it pushes them in a direction. Yep. So, um, we got some questions. We have some really good questions, and I'm really glad that we're we're we kind of got through that a little quickly. No, no, I wanted because to. some of these questions are amazing and deserve long yeah, form. No, answers they do. They do. Right. Um, so w- real quick before we, before we cut off the topic though, sure. um, our next one Oh one. So next, next month, month is going to be about campaign flow. Okay. So we talked about plots, mm-hmm. plots being a plan for how you want an adventure to go. Right. We talked today about executing that adventure mm-hmm. in motion. Right. Campaign flow is about stringing your adventures together to tell a longer story. Right. And and what kind of pitfalls you can run into, what things fit inside the, you know, fit at the edge of the adventure to mm-hmm. mark to the next thing. And yes. it's fun. It's fun. We'll have a lot of fun with that. So. All right. Where do you want to get started with questions? Um, you know, let's go with Nevum because I think that's it, it's more direct on the adventure cycle. Yeah, okay. How deep into details do you need to dive in when writing adventures? You want to go first or mm. me? I'm going to start with you because my mechanical brain goes into a lot of detail in this, but I want to hear what you have to All say. All right. So uh, deep into details is um, – I on on one hand, it's 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 complicated answering this question for me. It is. Because the, the words how deep into details do you need to go is um, both – uh, don't go into detail at all. Let the players get in write those details for you, and you should have some detailed plans. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it is a 
I don't go into detail as far as what will happen. Yes, okay. that, I, I agree. The cause and effect that happens at your table should be organic. Mm-hmm. It's it's a learned skill, so mm-hmm. don't be afraid to, you know, I mean, it's it's it can be tricky at first to improv stuff. 100%. Okay? What I do, though, I don't like improving. I don't like <laughs> things going off the rails. I don't like things going outside of my vision for how my story unfolds. What I do, though, the details I do go into is not what will happen, but what could happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's a lot of me thinking about what are my players' stated intents? Mm-hmm. What are they trying to accomplish? And sometimes I have discussions with my players outside of game, between games, and say, like, yeah, straight up, what are you trying to accomplish here? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I will outright tell you, like, the reason I'm asking this is because I want to plan a better story for you. Yep. I want to make sure that I'm prepared so that I can tell a good story when we get there at the table next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a lot of planning contingencies mm-hmm. of, okay, if they try to steal a MacGuffin, this is what might happen. These mm-hmm. are the defenses in place to stop them from stealing it. If they try to negotiate them with the MacGuffin, you know, for the MacGuffin, this is the disposition and desires of the person negotiating for it. This yep. is what he'll ask for in return. Mm-hmm. If they try to just kill their way to the MacGuffin and steal it from them, um, these are the guards' stats and mm-hmm. numbers. Mm-hmm. And this is how many of them they have to kill before the rest will run away. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Um, Things like that. It's more about knowing how your pieces move than knowing what will happen. If you push a piece in a direction, you need to know what will happen and what other pieces will do around it. Okay. I I like that. That's very succinct. In my opinion, I think your details goes into the setting around the players, and like you stated. Mm-hmm. And that is, is that I'm not going to define... I'm going to define the the generality of the scene. I'm going to present the players, like, each part of it. Um, one of the good examples is, is when, you, when you're dealing with a, a storyline, especially with live actors, you're not going to go through the minutia of every step and every breath and every hour. That doesn't happen. Right, right. You're going to present them with a challenge. So the question is, is that... How do you present your players the challenge when they don't even know where they are? And that's the, the that's the, the 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 difficulty of things. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of the adventure guides, the the more uh, pen and paper adventures that you may have picked up or modules, um, kind of fill that blank in. Is they give you a whole litany of scenes and available things that you can do because they don't know where your players are going to go. Random encounter charts and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea here is. Create yourself a scape, a readied space for your players to enter. This is where some rails come in, and that is, is like, you may present to your players, like, here's the bridge, and this is what you find there, and you investigate and discover that the MacGuffin was taken off into the woods in a direction toward a cave. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So the players now know that there's a cave they have to encounter. Your point next is then to say... How are they able to negotiate that cave? What are the available access points? What are you going to present to them? And What's that, your approach? Correct. Yeah. And that's your approach as a storyteller of giving availability. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a little raily 
because, you know, they could be, well, what if they just teleport inside, you know, or, or whatever, you know, they have that availability to be, to do it however they want. But the real truth is, is that you need to, you can't second guess their approach. All you can do is wait to see what options they start shifting to and be prepared for those. Like you said, what's the disposition on the guards? How many guards are there? Mm -hmm. What's the, you know, what's the, the other things in the area? Are there other encounters that they're going to move through? For instance, the front of the cave might be well guarded, but there's also a river and there's a back small grate that they could make their way into. Okay. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. You know, or, you know, do they disguise themselves and come in with the next caravan load? Okay, that's another option as well. Sure. You know, all of these things are ways that they could enter and move into the space. Then it's a matter of, okay, what's inside? What are the challenges that they're going to be presented with? Well, now that you have their approach, you have a vector for where they're, how they're going to move through it. Mm -hmm. And that's where you can now plan more. Now, if you're trying to get it all done at one time, obviously you're, you're laying out a dungeon. Yeah. And regardless of what that dungeon is, whether it's political, whether it's a story, what it doesn't matter. It's still a dungeon. It's it's scenes and objects and things for them to play with mm -hmm. until they get to the final moment. It's an obstacle course. So for me, it's always preparing the space. What can the players see and touch and interact with and making sure that you understand its disposition, its strengths, and its weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Once you have that... The la all, everything else is flavor that sits with it so that your players feel like it's alive and ready for them. Yeah. That's the truth. Yep. So that's where I say the dive hits. You're not writing the adventure. You're writing the beginning, the end, and leaving them this beautiful lush space to run around in and have their approach and have their vector through to the end. Yeah. I, I like to describe it as an obstacle course. Yeah. Um, uh, that's more or less how I write plots and adventures yep. is, uh, is you, you leave the landscape open, but you litter it with like, this is the slide. This is the monkey bars. These are the swings. You don't know which they're going to choose, yep. but you know how each works mechanically. So if someone says we're going to get on the slide, you're like, okay, make a roll to climb, climb the ladder, make a roll to slide down the other side. Yep. I know, I know how a slide works. Yeah. And do not get upset when your players get super crafty and defeat your first thing right through the door. Right. Yep. Because the truth is, is that the reaction of that event has nothing to do with how you feel. It has everything to do with how does the space react to that event. Yeah. Yeah. And don't be afraid to let your players feel powerful. Yeah. If they blow through something, that's a high five moment for them, not a failure on your part. Yeah. Yeah, just just because you you created a you know CR fifteen monster that you did not want them to pass and get through that doorway, and they're like, I convert everybody into mice and we walk past it because our sneak is now twenty six. Oh, well, crap. Yeah. Well, cool. Maybe that monster is somewhere else in your uh, in your dungeon now or something. You know, or it, it doesn't even matter. But but the truth is, is that but your that players did something innovative. They should be rewarded for exactly, it. You know? Exactly, exactly. Scratch that paper, toss it to the side. That yep. guy is still there later. Yep. You know, and that's maybe that's a chase later. Yeah, maybe that's a chase scene later. You know, yeah, exactly. when they're like, he's just like, well, I see you bested my my, my Goran. Uh, yeah, we took you didn't. Well, he's right behind me. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> You know, what is he blowing on? It looks like a whistle, but it's not making a sound. Oh, no. The, the ranger. Oh, it's making a sound. It's making a sound. 
All right. So we've got another question here from Womp. Uh, yeah, Womp, uh, new one, one of our new listeners. Um, Womp uh, asks a couple of questions here. Uh, how much should you slash would you recommend have written before session zero? Um, for me, uh, oh, this is another like complicated question. Really I would is. say. We did address this technically. It, for me, before pre-session zero writing mm-hmm. is like, again, know your start point, know your end point sort of stuff. You've got your big bad evil guy. Know what your inciting incident is going to be. Um, But you can't really plan a lot of le- – and may- maybe like have the milk run ready, you know? I, I okay. I, I'm gonna say this. We we have gone over this because we did it in our 101. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. It is hard because we had to go through all the research to figure out what it was necessary for that. But well, but again, keeping in mind what is before session zero. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And and my truth is, is that you need the pitch to yourself. You need to be able to say, "This is the world in basically three lines." Mm-hmm. You know, you have. Can you do the Star Wars crawl to your players? Yeah, that's it. Yep. Like, if you can get to a Star Wars crawl where basically you can explain the world in one or two lines, you can explain what's going on and who these people, regardless of who they physically are, within the story are. If you've got that, you can do a session zero. For me, though, like, I, the way I'm interpreting this question is less what do you need to have written for your players and more what do you have to have written for yourself. But that's the key. Mm-hmm. To get to that point, you have all of your whys answered. So if you can write that, you already know the rest of the answers. Um, I, I, here's the thing. I, I will say you should have um, a chunk of – at least the, the first chunk of your plot written out or at least come up with conceptually. You conceptually. Know? Um, you, should, you should at least know where your inciting incident is going to go, which trajectory it's going to follow. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you should probably know why your big bad evil guy is your big bad evil guy if you mm-hmm. have one. Sure. Um, and what you kind of see happening as far as the conflict goes. Yeah. Again, a lot of that will change with things that, now the reason I say that you should only half bake this thing though, is because you should be also integrating what your characters bring to the table. Your players bring as characters. What your players bring to the table as characters, right. Um, so, you know, if you end up with a group, uh, you know, say like a and d group with like a zealot undead hunting paladin and a cleric of life or like a grave cleric, you know, yeah. like clearly, okay, we've got two characters here who just absolutely hate the undead. Okay, maybe not my big bad evil guy's a necromancer. Right. Just, I mean, he can still do the big bad evil stuff, but maybe now he raises the undead. On the other, because yeah. we've got two characters at the table who clearly want that as a story element. Right. Likewise, if your whole thing is, you know, an aliens universe thing where the alien is your problem that mm-hmm. they're going to have to handle with, and your whole group makes themselves into a rogue group where they're all sneaky and stabby and stealthy, they're not meat puppets waiting to die at a slaughter you know mm-hmm. now you're like okay so my approach is going to have to be different yeah how do i alter the world a little bit and why they're there yes why were they specifically sent in yes you know kind of a thing and you know uh, again that's that is part of the you know your world you are able to present what who they are there you don't know necessarily which part they fall into in that, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, the rebels are fighting the Empire, and the princess is, you know, tr deftly trying to get away with plans for the Death Star. I don't know what a Death Star is, but we've got the plans for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so who are we on this ship with the princess? I want to be a robot. <sighs> okay, you're, you're a robot. I want to be his robot friend. Son of a gun. Okay, so we have two robots, and what else? Uh, can I be the princess? I don't see why not. I want to be really, really powerful. Uh, I want to be okay. a moisture farmer. Why do you want to be a moisture? I want a zero to hero story. Okay. 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 okay fine, fine. 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 All right. So the four of you. <laughs> yep. Can I be a bandit? A, a bandit? Like a smuggler? <sighs> okay. Sure. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Fine. And so you go immediately like that was the story. This and now you've got to string them all together and put them in a common place. Mm-hmm. That's that's where you run into writing too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And trying to drop that in place. Um, is so. Second question: Is pre-planning side quests and encounter super necessary? No, no. I I find that side quests in most cases should come from organic gameplay. You will find a reason to throw a side quest in. It will some some something will inspire you to put it in there. I think some encounters are necessary if they're part of the plot or if it's part of understanding the world. Yeah. Or even yeah. your players better. Um, I don't like the word side quest. I straight up don't like the word side quest. Okay. Um, I think side quests are a uh, an antiquity from like World of Warcraft. You know, side quests to me feel like, oh, well, you're out there, do this other thing. And they, they tend to distract from the drama of the plot that you're trying to lay out. 100% I agree with you and sometimes are necessary. Now, what I will say, I dislike side quests. I love B plots. Okay. All right. So the difference being one of them is here's a thing you should be doing while you're out doing the other thing. Okay, delve into this dungeon, but while you're on the way there, there's a rare flower that grows in the area. Pick the flower, bring one back. Eh, okay, I could see it. B plot is more like, I'm going to send you down there, but also there's a bandit uprising in that, in that area. Um, now really what I want you to do is get the thing out of the, uh, out of the dungeon, but like, why are the bandits uprising? Right. Why is this whole situation unfolding? You know, right. for me, like the one of the best B plots. Um, this uh, one of the movies you always bring up uh, is one of your favorite movies is uh, Disney's uh, Three Musketeers. Yep. And uh, for me, the the B plot complication is uh, the guy who's got it out for D'Artagnan because of his sister. Yeah. And he always shows up as a complication. Mm -hmm. You know, he's never he's never the A plot. Like the story isn't about this guy, not in the least. But. Things will be happening. A plot things will be happening. Yep. The musketeers fighting with Count Rachelieu. Yeah. And then this guy just shows up and you're like, why are you even here? Right. But he just gets peppered in as a fly in the ointment. Mm -hmm. And that, that yeah. I like. Yeah. I, I, again, I feel that that is an organic thing that gets thrown in. For instance, if you've got a player who is maybe an ex 
bandit, mm -hmm. right? Like they clean themselves up. They're not doing that stuff anymore. It doesn't mean that their friends won't ask them to do something. Oh, sure. You know, or sure. history won't show up. I know you're out of the game, but one last job. You know, I'll help you get this if you help me get this. Yeah. You know, those kinds of things. Those kinds of moments are very organic. They can express a lot about the player's character mm -hmm. and let them kind of explore that a little bit and give the other players a taste of something different. The one thing that you said, and the reason why I pointed at you so I could remember it myself, was yeah, yeah. it so, it takes away from the main plot some stress. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need a break. Oh, sure, sure, and sure. I said I dislike side quests. I said I, I didn't say I wouldn't do side quests. I've done side quests before. Yeah. I had the mages digging through ruins for for, for uh, Welkin stones, <laughs> yeah. you know, little arcane batteries that they could find in these, yeah. in these ruins while you guys were... You know, searching for other things out there. Yeah. So I don't think that they're super necessary. I think that they're, they're meant to be organic and that you should pepper them into your story and yeah. let your players latch onto them as they wish. Sometimes, if your players are not doing great with their backstories, ask them. Before, yeah. before you do it, be like, hey, I know your character used to be a bandit. What do you feel about that coming back to say hi to them yeah. at some point? Are you okay with deal confronting your bandit nature? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Excellent. How involved do you want it to be? Do you want it, like, is this something where, like, you want, like, the whole main plot to be exploring your, your bandit origins? Or is this just something maybe you want to show up as a, as a complication? Uh, I don't know that we need to go all into it. Okay, cool. It's a B plot. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. The, uh, Knox added, look, man, some people found the six-fingered man, uh, part of the story more interesting. I agree. It was exactly. a perfect, that's a perfect B-plot addition. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with having the henchman of your boss be a B-plot mm -hmm. onto his own. Yeah. Not a problem at yeah. all about that. Yeah. Um, last question. How early do you recommend having your players make their characters? Does that affect the writing process? I always right. have my players make their characters at session zero. That's what session zero is about yep. for me is a character creation thing. Yeah. I... So I will say this, if you're doing a world setting where you don't have a plot, I, I've seen a lot of people do this where they're like, I want to build a world, but I want to let my players have full agency within the world. I want to show them the world and let them make whatever characters they want, and then I will figure out the plot. I think that's more challenging than anything because you've just opened Pandora's box and given them way too many choices. Some players will have a hundred characters waiting on the side. They're not going to pre-write their character. They're going to wait till session zero and just pull one out of a hat effectively. Mm -hmm. Some of your players will say, I've always wanted to play this and this is what I'm playing in the world and this is the one character that I want to play and I will bring it to the session zero almost virtually completed. Yeah. You know, and then you'll have your other players who literally go, I just want to play a game. Uh, what do you guys need? Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'll, I'll come up with it at the last minute. Now, some, sometimes the I already have a character loaded and ready to go is a is a good thing. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's a really bad thing because yep. especially like I, I've, I've read a lot of like D&D &D horror stories where it's like uh, my character came, you know, my player came to the session zero with this like homebrew, unearthed arcana, you know, multi-class fighter, wizard, bard. Um, with like a 27 in strength. I don't even know how they got that. Is this legal? Should I allow this? Am I a jerk for saying no? No, you're not a jerk no, for saying no. Just, like, just say no. Just say no to it. Ju ju just say no. It's quite all right. You can even just say no to, my player wants to create an undead cleric. 
like mm-hmm. or, 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 or a necromatic cleric for this game. No, you you literally wrote your story based upon your players all being light, yeah, and and working in a direction. So just say no. That's okay. Yeah. Well, am I taking their agency away from them? Yes. In this regard, you are. You're yeah. tell, you're challenging and your players. That's okay because it is your story to tell. Yeah. Um, I I've seen a I've seen a lot of. A lot of discussion about this exact topic online, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of people saying that it is always bad to take away a player's agency. You should always allow them the most freedom in their creative process to make a character. No. 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 It's it, But it's also their story to tell. Cool. They can tell it during the gameplay, but I establish the setting as the storyteller, and I'm saying what you're making does not fit with my story, no. does not fit with my setting, does not belong in my group. Correct. And and having your players understand that and respect that is the most important thing. If they can't do that, then they're going to have a hard time with the rest of your game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just good player etiquette is you're not the one running the game. That person is doing a hundred times more work than you are. Give them the benefit of allowing them to set the scope. Yep. That's it. Yep. It's, it's, it's that it, it sounds simple, but the truth is, is have good etiquette as a player for that. Now, one of the things I do want to touch on um, with regards to character creation and session zeros is that um, the reason I make session zero my character creation thing. Now, I know, I know not every storyteller does that. No, Some no. storytellers should just like bring a character or they'll hand out pre-gen characters mm-hmm. or things like that. Um, it's not always the character creation day, but for me it always is because mm-hmm. I want to have all of my players – in the same room, mm-hmm. able to discuss with each other what they're doing, mm-hmm. help each other through the rules of character creation, um, look at one another, make suggestions to one another, mm-hmm. um, and have that bonding exercise. So even if they like come up with something on the fly of like, oh, well, I was going to make a, a mage, or oh, I was going to make a fighter, what if I'm your bodyguard? Right? Mm-hmm. Hey, you're, you're making like a really frail person, you know, with like the, uh, the lame, uh, 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 hindrance or something mm-hmm. like that. What if I took the brawny edge and I was your stalwart bodyguard? Oh yeah, that's a good idea, you know? Mm-hmm. You get, you get, you get workshopping at your table that happens. Yep. And then too, if anybody has any questions about lore, mm-hmm. um, like, hey, would this fit in your setting? Uh, yeah, sure, that would fit in my setting, but only if you do it like this, because this doesn't exist, this, this other thing doesn't exist in my, in my world. Right. Right. Everybody is in the room to hear that. Yeah. And you get basically a, an RPG think tank out of it. Yeah. And going back to what your statement about the players playing, hitting with each other is it cuts down the number of ways that you need to make hooks mm-hmm. and it puts them right into the investment mode. Yes. They're already invested in the world. They're not creating their own thing and staying as a, like, this is my story. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in my world though. No, but it's my story. No, no, no. You're part of a group. You're part of a group. That group is, is going investment. to collectively tell a story together. Right. Yeah. And and that's the big difference there. That's that's what you want to get to. And I think that is why having session zeros together and baking your characters during session zero 
is some of the best ways to do it. And you'll mm-hmm. see it in more games. More and more games and more and more systems push that session zero creation being a collaboration in more ways than one. Oh yeah. So. And then to follow up your, your, your second question here, do, how does, uh, does that affect the writing process? It absolutely does. Oh, 100%. Because you don't, once, once you get your character creation done, okay, once your characters come up with, this is who my character is, this is what their backstory is, this is how they belong in your story, you're, going to get so many ideas from that mm-hmm. i had got i got so many great ideas from my players mm-hmm. just in in looking how they created the characters and what they were trying to do with their characters you know yep. i want my character to be an asshole noble mm-hmm. oh okay cool so i can incorporate now i know i can incorporate like nobility hooks you mm-hmm. know into things your character is a kind of a zealot you know uh uh, uh um cleric you know sort of character but was an old grizzled soldier before he found faith okay cool i know i can kind of bring a holy war to you Mm -hmm. you know and you can fight that awesome you know i've got a uh i've got a khajiit martial artist in my group Mm -hmm. i know i can do kung fu hustle with that you know i I am so waiting for that i so want to see the kung fu hustle just wait it's a b plot I, I I can't wait. I uh-huh. honestly can't wait i'm very excited about that for some reason i still get the image from uh of uh you know, I want to see an old woman Khajiit who is like, you're, you're not expecting anything from her. And yet she is this master yeah. <laughs> like, out of nowhere. Just, <laughs> like, she just doesn't want anybody in her tea house. Mm-hmm, like, she's mm-hmm. done. Like that, that's the kind of thing that I look for. Uh, so. so yeah, your, your character creation should absolutely alter your writing process. Yeah. Um, it's going to be the other half of your cake. I like to think of it like a pie. You want to come in with the pie crust, mm-hmm. but you don't know what you're filling it with yet. Yeah. Your players are going to cook up your filling. They're going to tell you if you're going to be baking an apple pie or a cherry pie or a blueberry pie. Yeah, and help you with basically the feeling yeah. of the story. And then once you figure out what your filling is, you you put the rest of the thing together and bake it. Yeah. And you're also going to be setting some of the like player limitations in that session zero. Mm-hmm. So that can often change things as well when the players are like, you know, you ask the question like, hey, are you guys with dr- good with drugs, alcohol, and and, you know, adult themes. Can we not? Okay, well, that's going to change some of my story, but okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Sure. You know, or can we just veil it? Sure. 100%. We yeah, can... your your lines and veils will absolutely define what, you, what you're going to have in your story. Yeah. And that's going to be something you're going to establish at your session zero. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, Knox in the Box actually dropped a question into the live chat here. Uh, I don't know if this is tongue-in-cheek or not, but uh, asks, what happens when your player hates and scraps their session zero character? It's happened. It's happened. It's definitely happened. Um, oftentimes I sidebar with that player. Mm-hmm. I, I get with them and I'm just like, okay, what's the situation? Why are we doing this? You did it in my game. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, your session zero character lasted for a while and then you were like, and I'm throwing it out the door. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it and I was like, okay, you now know the world. Give me another character and let's sure. talk about it. You almost did it a second time. Uh, yeah, when we made, when we made the, the, the hard move shift 280 years into the future, um, my character was like, I don't have a horse in this race. I was hired as a guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are no longer in need of a guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was strongly thinking like, I'm just going to retire the character. She's just going to stay with these nomadic people and help them because they need water and she's a winter witch. Mm-hmm. Um, what if I made, yeah, like we were also discussing that we didn't have a group healer, right? Because the only cleric in the group is like a war cleric, mm-hmm. and so uh, we were like, okay, well, what if I made like a bard who could follow in 
A, as an ability for you to drop lore into the world. Yep. But B, um, I would then act as a primary healer, essentially, yep. so that this player could have the freedom to go war cleric and not feel like they had to split their attention right. both ways. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was prepared because, yeah. I, and I think that depending on how far away from session zero you get and how comfortable your players are with the world really is going to talk about how they negotiate. Cause a lot of times when you get those situations, it's the player needing to make a hard choice that they wasn't, that they're not comfortable with, or they see the world and they're like, you know, I really would rather play this in this world. Cause I mm-hmm. think it would fit better. Okay. Sure. You, you have drive and investment. Let's work off of that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's the important thing. Have a discussion with your player about why they want to make the change. See if you can resolve it in character. Sometimes it's just like a, I don't think the story is going in a way that this character would right. would care about. Okay, well, can I change something about my storytelling mm-hmm. that will make your character more invested? Yeah. Or, or can I? Can we challenge the investment? You know? Now, the other thing, too, is that sometimes it's a purely mechanical thing. Yeah. Sometimes it is, I don't like the character I made mechanically on paper. Right. Right. Um, and so like one of the things I did, um, I did it in when we were playing fifth edition mm-hmm. and we are, uh, actually just, I believe finalizing the scheduling for when we're doing it for Savage Worlds. I'm having a session zero two point You are. Uh, and that is we've played the system for a little bit. Most of us were new to it going mm-hmm. in. You didn't know what you were building when you were building it. Mm-hmm. Now that it's played out for a handful of sessions and you've seen where your strengths are, you've seen where your weaknesses are, you've seen how the game system plays, you've seen what the tone of the game is and how your characters interact with it numerically, yeah. do you want to change anything? Yeah. Free respects. Yep. Remake your character now that you know what you know. Yep. Keep the same character. Try to remake Theodane, you know, the same way, but like if you're if there's a spell you just didn't like. Yeah. And, Switch and it out. honestly, with you know? the with the new book, I, I'm probably going to take a look at some things. And yeah, see, see how things shift. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, kind of like no questions asked. We're going through character creation all over again, just trying to recreate the same characters, but this time armed with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all the difference you need. Yeah, I don't like my character. I want to switch it out. Well, why don't you like your character? Because I don't like this ability, this ability, this ability. Would you like him better if he were a barbarian instead of a fighter? Yeah, cool. You've been playing him that way. You're since a day barbarian. One. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a minor thing, honestly. Uh, so yeah, I I think that hits our questions. All right. Well, next week's topic, uh, second Wednesday of the month, are always our system spotlights. This time around, it is going to be Dune: Adventures in the Imperium. I'm a bit excited to see how that one plays yeah, out. Yeah, I, I I haven't even looked at the rule set for this, but there's a lot of political machinations that are involved in it, and that's interesting to me to see how they're going to play that out and i like dune as a world like sean that's... is a big dune fan got mm-hmm. me excited about it and we saw the most recent dune movie i subscribed mm-hmm. to hbo max just to see the new dune movie yeah and i, I watched it with you i loved yeah. it I, i'm excited to see the next act in that so i'm i'm interested to see how this plays out and uh where it ends up. So. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. 
and uh, join us upon our Discord. We'd love to hear some questions from you, join the discussion, bounce some ideas from your uh, for your for your own you know campaign plot whatnot up there. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who assist us every single month, especially our name members: Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkamushin Veteran, and Hulavu. Uh, as well as Tim Saucer. I, I don't know why I keep forgetting that every week. Uh, we really appreciate all the help every month. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. We love you and thank you so much. Thank for, you. Uh, all of our friends who sat at our tables over these years to give us these great experiences to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.